the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Final couple final couple hours of the Stefan Tubbs show. I'm not really ready. I'm in the middle of literally drafting a motion right now. So you guys could just give me maybe another five or ten minutes and then we'll do the show. Would that be okay, Leroy? Oh, uh, oh okay. I guess he I guess he went, he actually wants me to work right now. I played the Griswold Williams ad before the top of the hour. And um, I want to get further into that here in just a couple of minutes uh, because it's just – I don't understand how that pablum is going to help Republicans win. Last Rasmussen poll I saw, 56%, I think, uh, and a higher number of Republicans. Maybe I should pull that up before I, I stick to those numbers. But it was more than a majority of people believe and understand that our elections are in trouble in the United States. All of the unconstitutional, illegal action that took place in the name of COVID-19, which middle-of-the-road folks try and justify, you know, it was a one-shot, had to be done, on and on and on, that the Democrats are now trying to codify moving forward with or without a pandemic. And there's a reason for it. It's called cheating. It's called stacking the deck. And Colorado, the so-called gold standard, is a nightmare. All mail-in balloting, same-day registration, flip your party affiliation right up until 7 o'clock on the day of the vote, 30 days or so to get your ballots put together and in ballot harvesting, ballot drop-off boxes that uh, are supposed to be monitored, but you can't get the video, you can't get the screens, you can't sit and watch 30 days worth of you know, drop-offs or 21 days, whatever the actual period for drop-offs is. I've got the calendar in front of me, but I didn't look. But to come together and say, oh, yes, Colorado's elections are safe and secure, rather than standing up as Republicans and demanding transparency, and we'll get into these two issues uh, that are alleged in this lawsuit, the report from CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency of the Federal Government, where, according to a texter, the director, Biden's own CISA director, in charge of election security, testified, quote, that this election was the safest election ever, but released the report saying that 16 states' voting machines currently in use are wide open to being manipulated. I'll give you the specifics from the lawsuit that's in court right now in Denver about the machines. These allegations uh, are not made by right-wing radicals or uh, temporarily disenfranchised clerks and recorders from Mesa County, such as Tina Peters. These concerns, these vulnerabilities are identified in a report that CISA did not want to release They asked a court 
They urged a federal district court to not allow public disclosure of the expert's entire report. And when you hear these vulnerabilities, according to Colorado state law, it would seem that those machines should not be certifiable and therefore not usable in these elections. And yet our Republican former Secretary of State, candidate for mayor, city council, something in Colorado Springs, Wayne Williams standing out there and saying, use trusted sources. We know that our elections are just wonderful. It's nonsense. And it doesn't jazz people up to get out there and work your tails off to get Republicans who are willing to fight for transparency, fight for a secretary of state that will hold uphold the law, including during the recount. I just don't get it. I hope our next guest, the vice chair of the Colorado State Republican Party and Frederick Douglass Republican herself can calm me down. Her name is Priscilla Ron. She is a great person and a wonderful friend, and we welcome her now to the Stephen Tubbs Show. Good afternoon, Priscilla. Good afternoon. So here's my advice, Randy. Start rubbing your earlobes. I can. I got headphones on there. <laughs> I, the headphones cover everything. Maybe they're squeezing my head too tight because I have a big head. I don't know. You well, know, passion is good <laughs> as long as you've got it, you know, under control. I, I guess. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and I do want to talk about Colorado. I especially thought of you when um, when we had Kay Carl Smith on our Republican National Committee National Prayer Call Thursday. He was an invited speaker. I hadn't talked. I looked at my text messages. I hadn't um, even texted with him since January of 2021, and it was just so precipitous to to connect with him and hear his wonderful message about how we as Republicans should be messaging in communities that where we're maybe uncomfortable, we're unfamiliar, uh, we're not used to being invited or just showing up, and he's going to join us at 6 o'clock. So I do want to talk to you a little bit about your Frederick Douglass republicanism, what it means to you, why you um, identify yourself in that way. I think it's just a good warm-up for a wonderful conversation with the good man, and uh, Kay Carl Smith will join us at 6 o'clock. But I also want to talk to you about the Republican Party, and you know me. I mean, I'm I'm the the Tea Party activist, the Republican National Committee man who has knocked doors and and made phone calls and and you know drove around the state, including all the way to Pueblo when we were doing recalls of Democrat gun grabbers and and on and on and on. I feel like because I am and have worked as a grassroots activist that I have the temperature of the grassroots, and I I can't tell you. The number of people who and text messages coming in now, people just saying that um, I can't support some of our Republican candidates here in Colorado. And as Republican National Committee man, it's my duty to you know try and help get these people elected. I understand it. I have concerns from a principal perspective, a platform perspective of my own. And yet, once you get past a primary, there are bigger concerns. There are strategic concerns. There are long-term concerns and. And I want to just see if maybe you can help me get that message out to some folks here on the Stephen Tubbs show today. Sure. Um, so let's go. Let's start back at why I consider myself a Frederick Douglass Republican. And I was laughing because um, I'm actually black and Korean. 
I'm not Hispanic, although I love Mexican food. Um, well, you so... have an exotic look, so I feel like an idiot now. <laughs> and now that you say that, I've I've heard you describe your heritage um, numerous times. So, um, but regardless, go ahead. Yeah. So um, I've always been a Republican from when I turned 18 and I was able to vote. I've been a Republican my entire life. And I attribute that to my father who grew up during segregation and grew up in the South, but he served our nation in the military for almost 30 years. And he's a war hero. He served in Vietnam. And my dad's the one who taught me how to love my country, how to stand for the pledge. And um, and I heard you mention Rush Limbaugh, and I actually grew up listening to Rush Limbaugh three hours a day. My dad always had talk radio on, and it was always Rush Limbaugh followed by Dr. Laura Schlesinger. So if you grew up in a house like that, you you grow up um, thinking and questioning and seeking information and paying attention to decisions that are made in our government. Um, But fast forward after I got through college and college, you know, I started questioning some things, but it wasn't until I started working and realizing, hey, the world is not the way I was raised. And the world doesn't necessarily have the values and the views that I have. And I slowly started becoming more active as a public school teacher. But it's been recently that I've become active in politics. And um, I was introduced to Kay Carl a couple of years ago when our friend Casper was running for Congress. And it was the first time I heard Casper articulate all of the things that I knew and felt about myself as a black woman in America who is a a descendant of enslaved people. But here's the amazing thing about Frederick Douglass, because he was born a slave. He taught himself how to read. He was the author of four autobiographies, He was the consultant to five U.S. Republican presidents. He was amazing, and he wasn't a victim. And the reason why I say I'm a Frederick Douglass Republican, and Kay Carl can talk about this too when he comes on next, is that I believe in the life-empowering values of the Constitution. Everything that's in that Constitution is something that is good for all Americans, regardless of your heritage, regardless of your socioeconomic status. It is something that's intended to be free, uh, uh, sorry, to to, to ensure justice and freedom for all Americans. And that's why I love the pledge, because it's a reminder, liberty and justice for all. And that is what motivates me every single day is to stand up for our Constitution. Talking with Priscilla Ron, vice chair of the Colorado State GOP, Priscilla, on my July 2nd show, the um, the Independence Day Saturday show before the 4th of July, I spent a fair amount of time during the hours. Maybe it was maybe it was the last hour I kind of packed it in I, now that I think about it. But I spent a lot of time sharing snippets from the 1852 Frederick Douglass, What to the Slave is the 4th of July speech. That was eight years before the Civil War. Um, have you ever read that speech? Are you familiar with it? Um, I actually listened to that show that day. I listened to your show and I was like, right on. And yes, and he's written, there's two great speeches that he wrote. One was um, that first um, Independence Day speech that everybody knows. But there's one after uh, Abraham Lincoln um, 
freed the slaves. And I'm saying that like street language, because I know there's a lot, a lot into that comment, sure. but um, you know, he, he did stand up to the naysayers in the beginning and saying, you know, we've got to stand by our constitution. But then after slaves were freed, he, he was like, guys, we have this document now and we've got to live by these values. And um, a lot of people, you know, don't read his second speech. They need to. So, but thank you for doing that episode. I, I really enjoyed listening to that episode. Yeah. By the way, if anybody is interested in the Frederick Douglass speech, obviously easy to get online or, or my commentary about it and sharing of portions of it, the, all of the podcasts from all of the shows here at 710KNUS are available at 710KNUS.com. You just go to shows, find Wake Up with Randy Corcoran. That was the July 2nd weekend. Um, I think you'll probably enjoy that. So a very beautiful and passionate description and explanation about how uh, how easily you fit into the mold of a Frederick Douglass Republican. Um, I, I hear a lot of K. Carl Smith's even the conversation we had with him Thursday before he prayed for us and, and he stayed on our entire call. It was just wonderful. Uh, so help me, given those principles, given that focus on the Constitution, and, and uh, I know that you're strongly pro-life and, and so many other things that are a part of the Republican platform, help me translate those principles into the positions that you and I both have now um, as leaders of the Republican Party in different roles in Colorado um, in helping elect Republicans, even those that aren't, uh, you know, strictly adherent to that Republican platform. There's a, there's, is there a strategy? Is there an end game that is greater than um, just holding your nose or standing on principle and saying, I'm not going to play? Because we need every Republican to get involved and to vote for Republicans this year. We do. I think it comes down to us as individuals actually opening up the platform and reading it and saying, yes, this is exactly what I believe in. I can, I can say that I have publicly attested that I am a Republican and I expect something with that public declaration. The thing that I get out of saying I'm a registered Republican is that I get to pick the person to represent our party in an elected office. And you and I, you know that I would much prefer that Republicans elect Republicans because then I know we're all on the same team. We all stand behind these values of life and liberty and the Second Amendment and all of the things in the Constitution, educational freedom and choice. These are my values. And these are the things that I think are good and so, um, but we also know that anybody can choose to affiliate and anybody can run for public office. Um, the party doesn't get to decide who can run for office or we don't control how someone decides to run their campaign. But with that being said, I am a firm believer of we the people. And it's our job as voters to vet the candidates. It's our job to communicate with them go to meet and greets, ask questions, email the candidate, call the candidate. And it's um, about persuasion as well. And to say, hey, I noticed that you have this platform that's contrary to the Republican platform. Can you explain 
why you landed there. But also remember, Randy, that a lot of times um, new candidates uh, are on a trajectory where they can uh, they can change. And I think it's about constantly being in relationship with candidates and our elected officials. People evolve. We've seen that um, in candidates. And so I'm I'm an optimist. And so we have right now the candidates who are going to be on the general. That Those are our teammates. Those are the people that we're going to hold accountable for our platform and to make good, solid, common sense legislation. And um, so right now what we need in this year especially, uh, we know that it is a great year for Republicans. This is a year where we need to make change because the Biden administration, the Democrats have just destroyed our economy. We're not safe. Um, education is dismal. And so to sit back and not vote for a Republican or to sit back and say, I'm not going to participate is contrary to the goal of all of us getting a majority in the places that we need to have a majority. One of the Things that came up at the last Arapaho Tea Party meeting, which was, you know, just packed to the walls, 105 or so people there, was uh, the statement that any Republican is always better than a Democrat. And, and I, I would – I push back on that statement because I think about, uh, you know, like I talked about John McCain earlier in the show and, you know, war hero, et cetera, or at least prisoner of war and, and all of those things, absolutely, uh, a Republican, but – because he was not grounded in, in principles, at the end of the day, um, his lone vote out of his hate of Donald Trump cost us the repeal and ability to replace Obamacare, uh, even though he campaigned on that for years and years and years. So there are long-term consequences for putting people in place that aren't grounded in principle. On the other hand, we're in Colorado, a dominated, Democrat-dominated state. It's been dominated this way for so long. Um, and we've got to start chipping away at that. We've got to push it, start pushing back against that by getting rid of radical Democrats, even if they're with Republicans who aren't, you know, podium pounding, um, foundational platform believing Republicans. And on the national level, for instance, in the U.S. Senate race, folks who have been resistant to Joe O'Day for certain reasons, um, majorities matter. And we have to do everything that we can to make sure that whoever the next Republican president is, they have a Republican Senate majority. If we can get a Senate majority along with a House majority, even in this midterm election, we can stop a tremendous amount of bad things happening. And Republicans in office will um, at least be people that we can pound on, talk to, reach out to, communicate with, try to persuade, uh, try and move our direction. Democrats will never be able to do that. Those are the arguments that I'm making, but I will end all of that by saying um, there are certain issues that are very difficult for me to overcome in my uh, decisions to vote, and um, I'm still looking to the candidates to persuade me in that regard. Well, you're you're 100 percent, you know, right, and and that's a fair assessment because I know that again, a lot of Republicans hold our platform near and dear to their heart. A lot of it is connected to their um, religious beliefs um, of Christianity and um, or whatever their religion. We have a lot of Jews who are Republicans. I mean, Republicans come in all 
shapes, sizes, forms, religions. And that's the misnomer that, you know, there's only one kind of Republican. So we, we are a big tent, but it is our responsibility as voters, as Republicans to vet, to question, to persuade, to, um, to, to make sure that the people who say that they are holding the Republican platform hold the Republican platform. I think that's perfectly acceptable. Got all choked up there. Um, <laughs> excuse me. I see that we are very, very late on the break. And I literally did get all choked up. Um, little coughing fit going on there. So I'm going to go ahead and end this conversation. Priscilla, I really appreciate your time. Look forward to K. Carl Smith at the top of the next hour. And we'll continue the Frederick Douglass conversation. I will just say this. I am doing everything that I can think of to try and convince myself as Republican National Committee man that we have to support every single Republican across the board. And I am more than willing to hear from folks who disagree and continue to have that conversation. But when push comes to shove, if there are Republicans who are running disciplined candidates, raising or disciplined um, campaigns, raising money and are, you know, within a margin of victory, I want everybody who's standing on principle to give themselves a real hard look and think about just how important it could be to replace some of these unilaterally Democrat leadership positions with Republicans, even if they are imperfect. Absolutely. I think you said it eloquently. We have a lot of great candidates. I'm excited about um, this election in November, I think we're going to have some wins and let's, let's support our team. These are our people. They're our tribe. And, uh, you know, I just believe in all of them to do great by all of us and, and fix what's broken. That's what we need to do. And we know we're not going to get that by the insanity of voting for Democrats. So let's, let's do this. Colorado GOP vice chair Priscilla Ron, have a wonderful evening. I know I'll see you soon. See you soon. Thanks, Randy. God bless. It's 525. We're late on the break. Lori Kelman is in the 710 KNUS newsroom. I just got a copy of an opening argument from a radical, progressive, left-leaning public defender in Washington, D.C. that she gave for a J6 defendant, someone who is on trial in D.C. And while I want to continue the conversation about uh, Griswold and Williams, give you some more details on the lawsuit um, this is something that you have to hear. So we've got uh, no more guests till the top of the next hour, 303-696-1971, when we return on the Stephen Tubbs Show here on 710 KNUS. Hey, we're back at 5.30 on the Stephen Tubbs Show. I'm Randy Corcoran from Saturdays. I'll be back here tomorrow morning from 9 to noon, and we'll get to all the things that uh, I don't get to today because, uh, man, I did have a big list. And it was really good to talk to Priscilla Ron, um, in spite of my coughing fit, <laughs> a little better now, uh, because she's just she's just brilliant, and she is so passionate about what she does, and she's a teacher. She's standing up for kids. And I'll tell you what, as a as an officer charged with trying to help elect Republicans, it's sometimes hard to navigate that ground. And um, and I appreciate your help in getting there. Text messages pouring in on the seven ten KNUS app three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one is the phone number. 
before we get into this opening statement, which I think is maybe worth uh, jumping ahead of some of the other things I wanted to talk to you about, so powerful, so good. I just want to finish up the conversation on this Griswold Williams um, commercial. It's it's so remarkable to me that somehow in this world of the nastiest politics that you've ever seen, ever. I mean, you know, we weren't alive back in the when Abraham Lincoln was running and he was called an ape. And, uh, you know, there was all kinds of craziness and violence, but it's it's so available to us now. We see it instantaneously. And we see that the radical leftists continue to accuse Republicans of being and doing the things that they be and do. The the violence, the, the burning of police stations, the attacks on other people, the, uh, you know, you didn't see conservatives or Republicans line up to protest the magistrate that issued the warrant to search Mar-a-Lago and didn't recuse himself, even though he was an, an avowed Trump hater. You could see it from comments, things that he'd said and written about, etc. I think it was his social media as well, uh, represented uh, people related to Jeffrey Epstein and, and just a host of reasons that might have justified recusal. But regardless, uh, you don't see us taking those actions, marching ourselves into neighborhoods, terrifying people in their homes terrifying justices of the Supreme Court and justifying it, because if it's something that they don't like, then anything goes, any kind of violence. And to see a Republican uh, standing up there with Jenna Griswold and say that the Colorado elections are the gold standard, um, without any acknowledgement at all that, again, setting aside the machines, setting aside the way Jenna Griswold approached this quarter-million-dollar recount, uh, by apparently not complying with the law, setting all of that aside, our same-day registration, our limited and crappy um, requirements for voter ID, our ballot harvesting, our ballot harvesting boxes, the drop-off boxes, all of those things are problematic in Colorado elections. And according to this lawsuit, it goes much further than that. A computer science expert in a case in Georgia, identified catastrophic vulnerabilities and failures in the Dominion electronic voting systems there. Those same systems are used in 16 different states, including Colorado. This is from a lawsuit that is underway in Denver as we speak. And that expert further opined that the vulnerabilities and failures include the ability to defeat detection all state safety procedures, including logic and accuracy tests and risk-limiting audits. The failures include the ability to defeat detection. In response, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, entered an appearance in that case and urged the federal district court to not allow the public dispo- disclosure of that expert's entire report. And on June 3rd, 2022, SISA released a security advisory detailing nine vulnerabilities in Dominion's democracy suite. This is the federal agency and any components connected to those devices, such as the election management system, the EMS. And the vulnerabilities go, there's A through F listing out these vulnerabilities. 
According to this lawsuit, the machines should not be certified. Now, maybe they all come through with flying colors. Maybe this turns out not to be true. But people have doubts. People want to know. And the current Secretary of State isn't showing great transparency, isn't putting all of her cards on the table, isn't allowing people to see the the um, um, hard drives that uh, that she got a court order to be turned over to her from a southern county here in Colorado to see if the same things that happened in Mesa County on those machines happened in these other counties. She's not doing any of those things. And when paid a quarter million dollars to implement a recount, it appears that the Secretary of State did not even follow the law. She used the machines to test the machines. And that's not what the law requires. How does it help us win elections to stand up there with those two people side by side? Jenna Griswold, Wayne Williams. Check a trusted source. What, Nine News? CBS4? The, secure, uh, the Secretary of State website? Come on, people. Let's get some fight going here in Colorado. We have a very difficult election ahead of us here in the state of Colorado. Let's show some fight. I want to get into this um, this opening statement that uh, I just was made aware of. This is a progressive Democrat doing her job as a public defender, and she's standing up for the constitutional rights of a Trump supporter in a Washington, D.C. federal courtroom this happened just this past week. Her name is Natasha Taylor Smith. And good lawyers do their jobs, regardless of their political beliefs, regardless of their, of, you know, their affection for their clients. You can pick and choose your clients, of course, but if you take somebody on, you better do the job. And we know, I've had talked personally with defendants and lawyers in Washington, D.C., and there are many of these D.C. lawyers and public defenders, or at least some, too many, that are just phoning it in because they want these people to go down. They're pressing and pushing these defendants to take plea bargains and not run the risk. And, of course, I get it. It's a D.C. jury. It's going to be incredibly difficult to get not guilty verdicts out of these Trump-hating jurors. These cases should not be in 96 or 97 percent Democrat-controlled, Trump-hating D.C. courts. They just shouldn't be there. You can't get—it's hard to imagine getting a fair trial there. But this woman is not messing around. She sets the tone for this trial. She uh, really comes across as a massively powerful constitutional advocate for her client. From the drawings of the hearing that I've seen, it looks like she's a black woman. Natasha Taylor Smith, I guess the name would fit. That's a bit of a stereotype, but I don't, I don't know. It doesn't really matter to me. She is identified as a progressive Democrat leftist. And when we come back, I'm going to read to you this entire opening statement. I know we've got callers. Everybody sit tight. Um, we'll try and get everybody in before the end of this hour. But you got to hear this. It is so 
powerful. And all we hear about January 6th, the insurrectionists, the the criminals that they killed the Republican Party. And one of the things that she says here, I'll just tease it, and then we'll go to our break, is something I've been saying, not enough, clearly not enough as I look back, but I have said this multiple times in speeches or on my Saturday morning radio show, that nobody who wanted to challenge the electoral college count wanted the violence that occurred in the Capitol. Nobody wanted that process to be stopped. It was underway for the first time in modern election history after the Democrats had tried year, election year, after election year, presidential election year, against George W. Bush, against others since, standing up and saying that these electoral college votes should not be counted. The Democrats did that against Republican presidents, but they never had what they needed, which was a written request signed by both a House representative and a United States senator. And when this process started with Mike Pence at the helm, and man, if you watched if you watched any of that or you watched the look on his face, he did not know what to do with it. He had a little script there that he referred to, but he, he did not look excited or confident about moving forward. But we had a representative, and Senator Ted Cruz stood up, and they were both signed off, and the process, the legal, legitimate, constitutional process to challenge these electoral college votes was about to go underway. Nobody, not President Trump, not anybody in his orbit, not his election lawyers or advisors, all the people that are being taken on by the left wing and deep state and establishment Republicans right now, Not a single one of us wanted that process stopped. It did not make sense to stop it. It was underway legally. And let the chips fall where they may. It's one of the reasons that gives, makes me wonder just how much of the FBI involvement and Nancy Pelosi turning down National Guard and and, uh, Ray Epps and everybody else how much this was really an operation. They opened those doors. They motivated people to go in there. They stirred people up to stop the legal constitutional process that was just getting underway. Nobody who wanted that process to play out wanted to see what happened on January 6th. And this powerful, powerful, apparently left-wing lawyer, public defender in D.C., makes this point in her powerful opening statement. I don't like to read to you. you got to hear this. And we'll do it next on the Stephan Tubbs Show. Right now, the Lori Kelmans in the 710 Can U.S. Newsroom. Take it away, Lori. And we are back at 549. Man, oh, man. Ten minutes to go until 6 o'clock. Randy Corpin in for Stephan Tubbs. Aaron Lapidus will be here on Monday. Tubster will return on Tuesday. Really great to be with you. Anything I don't get to today, we will pick up where we left off tomorrow, 9 to noon, on my regular show, Wake Up with Randy Corcoran. Hope you can join us for that. I Before we get to the full lines, I want to talk to um, you about this opening statement. It's just too good for you not to hear it. And if you're just joining the show, this is a... Uh, progressive Democrat, public defender in Washington, D.C. Looks like a black woman from the picture. 
Um, and I don't know why we have to make a point of that, but it just is always in our face now. So there you go. Um, but it's just so powerful, and it sets the stage for the truth about the vast majority of January 6th defendants. Good morning, Your Honor. Thank you. Good morning, counsel. The 2000 presidential, I'm sorry, the 2020 presidential election was unlike any in modern times. Regardless of what side of the aisle you stood on, there were intense thoughts and feelings about the way in which each state handled the process. For Mr. Fitzsimmons, that's the defendant, the election results of his community came as no real shock to him. No Republican candidate for president had won four electoral college votes from Maine since 1988. But shortly after the election, Mr. Fitzsimmons started to hear about irregularities across the country, and not just from your typical aluminum foil-wearing hat conspiracy theorists. He was hearing these stories from mainstream media, from global elected officials, from state elected officials, from federal elected officials, and from the President of the United States himself. And if the old adage, where there's smoke, there's fire, has any credence whatsoever, Mr. Fitzsimmons felt as though he was watching a towering inferno. And so he watched intently as challenges and rallies were held across the country. And although he saw the results of each challenge fade away, he was still being pulled by these same mainstream individuals and by the chief executive officer of this nation, that there was a plan. That plan, that plan did not include the military. It did not include violence or guns or weapons of any kind. All that needed to happen was for the state's legislatures to come together on January 6th and to object to the certification. To come together on January 6th and object to the certification. They had every right to do so. And each of them had taken an oath to protect our Constitution, and that included ensuring free and fair elections. It was their responsibility. And if the congressmen did that and they found there to be irregularities, they would act. And if they didn't, it would be over. And Joseph R. Biden would be sworn in as the 46th president of the United States. That's what this country is all about. That is what our nation is built upon. So when Fitzsimmons went to the rally in D.C. to support this effort, he drove down. He didn't drive down with weapons, although prior to January 6th, he owned legal firearms and knives that were used in his employment. He also owned several serrated and long blades that he used as a butcher. He didn't link up with any fringe groups or anti-establishment types. He drove down. He visited the shrine to Pope John Paul II. And on the morning of January 6th, he got up early and walked over to the Ellipse, he stood in line for almost an hour to, to wait to get in. He stood during the speeches, and he remained the entire time the rally was going on. He watched every speech, and yes, there was some rhetoric, but the overarching theme of that rally was that there was a legitimate and legal path for an objection to the certification, and that was happening at the Capitol. So after the speeches, Mr. Fitzsimmons found his way down to the Capitol, where he saw people gathered. As he made his way up to the Capitol, you will hear what Mr. Fitzsimmons heard, and you will see what Mr. Fitzsimmons saw. Eventually, he did find himself as part of the fray, and when he left the Capitol on January 6th, he was taken to an area hospital where he was bloodied, concussed, and received eight staples to the top of his head. 
Remember, this is the opening statement of a progressive public defender representing a January 6th defendant. In the days following January 6th, Mr. Fitzsimmons never bragged about his interactions with law enforcement. He didn't go around telling people how he tried to enter the Capitol, and he never, ever advocated for further action. The election had been certified at that point. Congress had done its job, and he had traveled to D.C. to see just that, Congress to do their job. That's it. Mr. Fitzsimmons never attempted to actually enter the Capitol building itself, and his sole purpose for traveling from Maine to the District of Columbia was to witness and support those legislators who had already committed to objecting to the certification. Mr. Fitzsimmons could not get what he wanted if he somehow stopped that process from happening. Such an important point. And while there was some interaction with law enforcement, Mr. Fitzsimmons never intended to injure anyone, and the evidence in this case will bear that out. And this court would say to a jury, if there was one in the box, that what I have to say or what the counsel has to say is not evidence. It is just arguments. So at this point, I'm going to conclude my opening remarks so that this court can get to the evidence. And at the end of this evidence, I'm going to ask this court to find Mr. Fitzsimmons not guilty Thank you. So very powerful. And the point about the fact that anyone who wanted the legal and constitutional challenge to the certification of those ballots, uh, none of us wanted anything to interrupt that lawful process. It sure makes me wonder how it got so out of control. Setting all that aside, I promised some calls. Let's talk to Jay in Littleton first on elections. Jay, good afternoon. Well, good afternoon, man. You are you're you're hitting on some awesome things here. It's it's it was it's kind of a shame that I think a lot of people either have already forgotten in our short term addled brains, uh, or that they just didn't care enough to care enough or to know enough to know enough to think about all these things. It, I, I, it's hard for me as as an as an American, right? As an American citizen and a voter. Watching that last election occur and for any to sit there and watch this and know that millions of people watched it and didn't even think twice about anything, anything. And in our hit in our lifetime, there has never been an election where all where seven, all the important states, the seven swing states, all stopped counting votes. And then waited until they had the the appropriate enough. And by the way, Donald Trump leading in all seven states, stopped counting the votes, all run with Dominion software, stopped counting the votes so then they could find the necessary votes in order. And it sounds kind of crazy, but watching it live, pure insanity. Why, Why we allow our voting systems to be able to be stopped. Jay, I hate to jump on you. The music uh, is overwhelming. I hear you, bro. Yeah, if you want to stick around, we'll pick this up. Brian and Ben will do the same with you. But we do have to take this break. We're going to spend a few minutes with my good friend K. Carl Smith to learn about Frederick Douglass Republicans as well. And then we'll finish the show with all of your calls. Stay with us here. The Stephen Tubbs Show on 710 KNUS. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.